This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, December 29th. I'm Doug Blair. And I'm Virginia Allen. Thomas Sowell is considered by many to be one of the most brilliant minds of the past half century, both as a scholar and an economist. The recent documentary, Thomas Sowell, Common Sense in a Senseless World, dives deep into the life and influence of Thomas Sowell. Today, I'm excited to share my conversation with Jason Riley, a journalist, scholar, and member of the Wall Street Journal's editorial board. Riley narrated Sowell's documentary and has spent quite some time having conversations with Sowell. Riley joins the show today to share stories of Sowell and discuss his influence on America. Today, we continue our Best of 2021 podcast series, so we hope you enjoy this conversation with Jason Riley. Many consider Thomas Sowell to be one of the greatest minds of our day. Sowell is most well known for his groundbreaking work as an economist, but is also a best-selling author, a photographer, syndicated columnist, historian, and academic. He is a man in pursuit of truth, and when he finds it, he stands by it, even when that truth may not be popular. Free to Choose Media has just produced a one-hour documentary on the life and work of Thomas Sowell. The film is called Thomas Sowell, Common Sense in a Senseless World. Let's take a listen to a portion of the film's trailer. The main thing that he's done, in my opinion, is to cause people to rethink their assumptions about all sorts of things, uh, not just economics, but about race, uh, about politics, about um, how, how we get along. Thomas Sowell's essays and weekly columns have appeared in more than 300 newspapers and periodicals, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and Fortune magazines. Oftentimes, they created a backlash. The television and the print media, they've wised up. They're, 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 they're just ignoring what he's uh, written because they, there's no way that they can argue with Tom Sowell. Most of the foolish things that are said on these programs were said 20 and 30 and 40 years ago and refuted 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. By you, quite often. Anywhere Thomas Sowell is, he's the smartest person in the room. Does he care about how he feels about things? How he wants the world to be, or how is the world as it is? You were a Marxist at one time in your life. What was your wake up to what was wrong with that line of thinking? Uh, facts. You're about to meet one of the greatest minds of the past half century. Thomas Sowell, one of the greatest minds of the past half century, says Jason Riley. And Mr. Riley, who narrated the film, is here with us today to discuss the documentary. Mr. Riley, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You narrated this one-hour documentary on Thomas Sowell. I watched it last week and was just completely captivated by the film. I've, I've known a little bit about Thomas Sowell, but I learned so much watching this documentary. What you've really done here in this film is essentially take viewers through the life of Thomas Sowell and really show the impact that he has had on people and across so many areas of our world. So I want to begin by asking you just to share a little bit of your own personal story of how Thomas Sowell, his writings, his rhetoric, his logic, and his honesty has really impacted you personally. Well, I uh, discovered uh, Tom Sowell in college in the early 1990s. Uh, I was um, working on the school paper and having a conversation uh, with my uh, fellow students about affirmative action one day. 
And someone piped in and said, uh, Jason, you sound like Tom Soul. <laughs> and I said, Tom who? <laughs> and the uh, person wrote down uh, the name of a book on, on, a, on a piece of paper. And I went to the school library that evening and checked it out and read it in one sitting uh, that evening and, and went back to school the next morning and checked out everything else they had by Tom Soul and was uh, pretty much hooked hooked on him by then. And uh, while I was working at the Wall Street Journal on the editorial board in the mid-90s is when I first got to meet Tom Soule. He was at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University then, still is. And he would travel through New York on book tours and meet with various editorial boards. So that's when I first got to meet him. Um, and I later went out to Stanford to write a profile of him for the newspaper that would have been in the mid 2000s. And that's when we sort of struck up a friendship that has uh, sort of endured since then. So when you learned, okay, there's this film project, I mean, yourself being a journalist, a scholar, a member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board, what made you say, this is a film project that is something that I have to be a part of? Well, they, they came to me. Uh, the Free to Choose uh, folks came to me. Uh, I had been working on a biography of Seoul um, that'll be out in May. And uh, when they found out that I was working on this biography, they approached me and said, uh, we want to do a film, a documentary about Tom's life. Would you care to narrate it? And I uh, did not hesitate. Share a little bit um, about your book that's coming out and what did give you kind of that passion and drive to say, you know what, I, I appreciate his work so much that I am going to take on this challenge and be a part of not only be a part of this film, but also write this book. Sure. Um, well, I uh, the book is titled Maverick, a biography of Thomas Sowell. It's, uh, it's available for pre-order on Amazon now, but it will be out on May 25th. And um, it is the first ever uh, biography of, of Tom. Uh, he has no other biographer. He's written a, a memoir himself, and, um, and he's written about his, his personal life in as many columns over, over the years. Um, but this is the first uh, biography of Tom. And it's primarily an intellectual biography. I don't focus much on his personal life, although there is a, a bit of that in there. But I do focus on his ideas, his scholarship, how he's distinguished himself as an intellectual over the past um, half century and sort of what his legacy will be, how he'll be remembered. And um, I, I was sort of trying to get him to, to cooperate with the biography. He's a very private person uh, for a while, for, for more than a decade, actually. And I think I've, he's 90 years old now, so maybe I just wore him down. But uh, he did cooperate. He sat for a bunch of long interviews for the, uh, for the book. And I also interviewed a bunch of um, colleagues of his and acquaintances and, and, and people who are familiar with his work over the years. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to write. He's, he's meant a, a lot to me in terms of my own uh, intellectual development uh, over the decades. And so it, uh, it, it, I wanted to, to introduce him and, and, and his work uh, uh, to a new generation. And, and I, I don't think that Tom has gotten the uh, exposure that he sort of deserves. You know, when, when, when people talk about uh, the great black intellectuals today, uh, you hear names like Henry Louis Gates at Harvard or, or Cornell West and, and people like that. Or today you hear Ta-Nehisi Coates and Ibram X. Kendi. But I, in, in my view, Tom has written circles around those guys uh, and, and is you know, much broader in his uh, in subjects that he's covered as well as much deeper. And his, his analysis is much more rigorous 
than those guys. And I don't think that Thomas sort of got me um, the, the attention and the exposure he deserves. So I'm hoping the film will, will whet people's appetite and get them to pick up some books by Tom as well as the biography. I hope does the same thing, gets more people interested in Tom in the, in the scholarship. You mentioned Thomas Sowell's legacy, and I think that the film does a great job of really explaining what that legacy is, and I'm sure your book does the same. But could you just give us a little bit of a teaser of, in your opinion, what is the legacy that Thomas Sowell uh, has already left and, and will leave? I think um, in a number of areas, he's really made his mark. Uh, very broadly speaking, though, um, he's made his mark as a, as a sort of uh, honest intellectual, someone who is as much more interested in being right than in being popular and uh, following the facts where they lead and, and reporting his findings, even if they happen to be politically incorrect. And he feels that is the real duty of a scholar to follow the facts and not fall for trendy thinking or fashionable thinking or, or, or uh, this isn't a popularity contest. That's not what true scholarship calls for. Uh, so I think that is one of his one of his legacies. Another is something um, that I think he he he, he models himself after um, uh, Milton Friedman, one of his mentors at at the University of Chicago, where he earned his Ph.D. in the early 1960s. And Friedman was someone who felt that um, intellectuals shouldn't spend all their time simply talking to one another, that they should uh, seek a wider audience and, and speak to non-experts, explain themselves and their work to uh, the general public. And after Friedman left teaching in the 1970s, uh, that's what he did. In fact, one of the things he did was uh, a television program that was uh, produced by the same company that produced uh, this one, uh, the Free to Choose Network. Uh, and, uh, and that was Friedman's way of speaking to the general public about economics. And so when, when Sol left teaching in the, in the 1970s, I think he set about uh, a, a type of public intellectualism that was very similar to Friedman's. He wrote his popular column uh, for general interest readers. Most of Tom's books are written for, for non-academics. Uh, and he takes great pride in, in, in explaining economics and these ideas to non-experts. You know, he, he's, he's most known for his writings on race. Uh, but his best-selling book is Basic Economics, which is essentially uh, an economics textbook without any graphs or equations in it. And uh, I think Tom is—he sort of left teaching. Uh, uh, in the, although he left, you know, the campus teaching, uh, he still sort of continued to teach through these books and columns over the decades. One of the things that I was most fascinated to learn about in the film uh, is that Thomas Sowell—he actually used to be a Marxist, but. <laughs> what really cured him, he says, of that was working for the government when he realized these Marxist ideas, they would never actually work. Could you just share a little bit about Thomas Sowell's journey out of Marxism? Because I really find that so fascinating. Yes, well, you, you, um, uh, it's not that uncommon. Um, if you look at a lot of uh, leading conservatives uh, in, the, in, the, in the 20th century, many of them started on the left. Uh, Milton Friedman started on the left. Um, uh, George Stigler started on the left. Um, uh, Walter Williams, uh, the late Walter Williams, who passed away last year and was a friend of Tom's for uh, more than 50 years, started out on the left. Clarence Thomas started out on the left. So it, it's not, it's not that, that uncommon. Um, but yes, Tom was a Marxist through his 20s. And, um, and then uh, it was working in the government and, and seeing uh, how some of these ideas he had about how the capitalist system works, uh, seeing that in practice and, and seeing the incentives in place and the intentions 
of some of these policies versus the actual results. That, is, that all had an effect on Tom changing, changing his mind about free markets and their power in shaping people's lives uh, for the better. And, and so that's what it was. It was real life experience and, and just um, less reliance on, on theories and what's supposed to happen and, and, and paying more attention to what actually, actually comes to pass. You did interview Walter Williams for the documentary, which, um, as you mentioned, Mr. Williams did pass away this past December. So it really, it really is a treasure to have these recorded conversations of him sharing about the work of Thomas Sowell, his relationship with Thomas Sowell. But one of the things that Walter Williams said is that the media really, they stopped covering Thomas Sowell a long time ago because they knew that they couldn't debate him. Uh, and this is just a sad commentary in, in my mind on really the state of our media. Why do you think the media has chosen to so often ignore Sowell's work? Well, I, I think they've taken the side of the black left, broadly speaking, and uh, the black left has ignored Tom for a long time, and uh, the media continues to run to uh, black intellectuals, academics, civil rights organizations, and so forth to speak on behalf of black people. And, uh, and they tell the media, don't pay attention to Tom. Anyone who, who thinks like that or says those things is a sellout or an Uncle Tom or, or someone who should not be taken seriously. They're simply doing the bidding of white people. So they've, they've responded with these sort of ad hominem attacks on Tom, and, and the media has largely you know, bought that that argument and, and the types of people that give out economics awards and, and, uh, uh, and those types of things are controlled by the left generally. And, and so that has worked against Tom and, and his exposure over the decades. And I, one of the things I'm hoping that the, the, the book and, and the film will uh, help correct. Well, and one of the things that I was also really fascinated in, in the film uh, was just how far reaching Thomas Sowell's work really is that, you know, despite the media not giving him the attention that he so deserves, he has impacted so many individuals in so many different areas of our world. You all uh, interviewed a rap musician for the film who says that Thomas Sowell has inspired many of his lyrics. What did you learn in those conversations with individuals who have been so impacted by Thomas Sowell's work? Well, uh, a lot of them speak about the clarity of his writing. Um, uh, he he, he uh, breaks things down in a way that's very understandable and digestible and witty, and, and people admire that. Uh, Tom, you know, in the early part of his career, did write ac more academic books that speaking to his peers in the academy, but he could also write for a, a wider audience. And, and uh, editors at newspapers loved this uh, because they had this serious, rigorous thinker who could write 800-word uh, pieces on the topics of the day uh, for, their, for their general interest readers to understand. So they were getting uh, the depth, this depth of knowledge and, and sort of more easily digestible uh, uh, bites. And, and, and then that they, they really appreciated that. And, and, and fans of soul all seem to, to come back to the clarity of his writing and his thinking, how he puts things. He's a wonderful storyteller. And, and also, one of the things he's known for is his international perspectives. Uh, and, and so he likes to talk about trends not only uh, within the United States, but in other countries and, and what's going on over there. And I think there's a, sometime uh, in America, you have people who live in a bit of a bubble, uh, an American bubble, a U.S. bubble. And Tom says, you know, a lot of these policies that are being pushed here have been tried in other places at other times. And here's what's happened over there. 
and and we should keep that in mind uh, when we when we think about uh, how those policies might affect um, life here in this country. So uh, those international perspectives, which is something he specialized in in many of his books, is something people also appreciate. Mm. Making a documentary uh, is no no small undertaking. It's a complicated process, a lot of time, a lot of work. What for you was the greatest challenge of you know working so closely with the team of individuals who were producing this film? Um, I just wanted to make sure we were doing justice to Sol. Uh, you know, I, I really see him as this towering intellectual figure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist by training. I'm, I'm not an intellectual. I'm not an academic. I spent a life as a print journalist, basically. And I really wanted to make sure, both in the book and in the documentary, that we were just doing him justice. Uh, you know, I, I said before that Dylan Dallas has written a biography of Tom, but I hope someone else does come along. A real scholar comes along, someone who can really grapple with Tom's ideas at his level and lay them out for people. Um, I, I just, I just, I hope someone comes and does that. I hope my book can be a little placeholder until that comes along, uh, and, and and do what I intended it to do, which is to again let people's appetite about Tom. But that was that's my my uh, my biggest concern. I just want to do him justice because he has, I, I think he is one of the great social theorists of the 20th century of any color, and uh, his writings on political philosophy, his writings on on, on social theory, um, his writings on, on education and law um, uh, and history and culture, uh, they, are, they are quite broad. And, 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 and I think that Tom is someone people will be reading uh, for generations to come. Well, and I know that you said that Thomas Sowell is quite a private man, but you did uh, have the privilege of speaking with him a, a little bit throughout the course of making the film. Do you know if he has seen the documentary yet and what his thoughts are on it? I, I don't know. I haven't had any uh, contact with Tom uh, since it's been out, uh, so I don't know if he's seen it yet. Um, uh, he is at Hoover, uh, the Hoover Institution at Stanford, and I um, and I know that Hoover's aware, aware of, of the film, so perhaps they've uh, they've reached out to him. But um, uh, no, I, I can't say for certain whether he's seen it. Well, I have no doubt that he'll feel uh, incredibly honored by it. It really is a beautiful documentary uh, and so informative. Would you just tell our listeners uh, both where they can find and watch the documentary and then also, again, share with us uh, when and where your book will be out? Sure. So the documentary uh, information can be found at soulfilm.com. That's S-O-W-E-L-L film. Dot com and uh, it's, it was made for public television so there you can find where it will appear uh, on your local public television station in addition to that it's being streamed on uh, Vimeo and Amazon and YouTube and you can uh, find links to stream it as well at soulfilm.com um, in terms of my book again it'll be out in May uh, May 25th to be exact and it can be pre-ordered on Amazon right now great we will be sure to leave links for both the documentary and to pre-order your book in the show notes today. Mr. Riley, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. The Biden administration has been in power for almost a year. And the radical left has been imposing its dangerous ideology on America. Not only do they want to expand government control and promote cancel culture, but they also want to rewrite our nation's history. 
indoctrinate American students in our public school system, attack our traditional values of honor, liberty, and justice for all, and implement a Marxist agenda that unleashes socialism throughout our country. Here at the Heritage Foundation, we need your help to finish the year strong and prepare for the battles that lie ahead in 2022. By making a tax-deductible year-end gift right now, you'll help advance your principles, free enterprise, limited government, individual freedom, traditional American values, and a strong national defense at a time when our nation needs these principles most. Visit heritage.org yearend to make your tax-deductible donation today. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We hope that if you haven't had the time to do so yet, you go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review. It is incredible how helpful this is to getting our message out, getting the word out about the work that we're doing. And if you enjoy listening to the Daily Signal podcast and you think other people should do so as well, please go ahead and leave a five-star rating and a review. Helps get the message out. And thank you again for sharing part of your Christmas season with us here at The Daily Signal. We hope that you all are enjoying your holiday season, and we will be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.